Today, I want to share with you guys a word that I've entitled, Don't Grow Veneration. Don't Grow Veneration, right? Um, if you are in SIBKL long enough, you'll, you'll see that it's a play on words, right? Uh, because the SIBKL tagline is, Go grow generations, right? Go grow generations. And, uh, and when we had set up this hall for the first time and we needed to have a password uh, for the internet, for the, for the LAN, um, they asked me, what password should we use? And I, and I said, let's make our password for the team, right? The, the team who serves at the back. Um, don't grow veneration. Um, as a reminder to the team not to venerate, not to uh, hero worship, uh, no superstars in church, you know, whether it's each other or the pastors or the leaders or whoever, right? Don't grow veneration, right? Uh, if you come from a background, a Catholic background, Buddhist background, and you understand the word veneration slightly differently, I'm not using it in that, th in that sense, okay? Just wanted to make sure it's clear. Last week, we were, we are still on the first uh, uh, missionary journey of Paul. Last week, uh, we were at Pisidian Antioch. The week prior, we were in uh, Paphos on the island of Cyprus, right? And this week, uh, very quickly, we're going to hop over to Iconium and spend the rest of our time elsewhere. Just very quickly, in Iconium, some, uh, the, the work of God continues to grow, right? It continues to grow. And let me just show you um, uh, what it says. It's all there for you to fact check. But in Iconium, the disciples, the apostles preached the gospel, you know, as a result of that, people come to believe. As always, the unbelieving Jews uh, start to uh, uh, push back. They poison the, the new believers, so they reach the new believers. They poison them with all kinds of ideas or falsehoods about um, the Christian way and the Christians who were preaching. And then, as a response to that, they stay longer. And I just thought I wanted to show you this little bit in Iconium to show you this part because you will see it in some cities when the apostles get persecuted when the pushback happens they get up and they go and I think it was two weeks ago that I shared with you how I actually love the idea that these guys are not superstar, rock star heroes, you know, who um, they actually sometimes under pressure, they get up and go, right? As the Holy Spirit leads, there is no, um, I'm going to plant this, my flag down, mati mati, you know, and like none of that kind of like uh, machismo or hero uh, 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 kind of... Um, Bravado, right? Okay, all ends with O. Okay, never mind. Um, so in this case, they do. They stay longer. They keep on preaching. And then eventually, things get violent. And then they get up and they leave for Lystra, right? And so if we learn anything from their time at Iconium, let us learn this one thing, that the Holy Spirit um, has a way for each situation. Right? There is no formula that says that when Christians go out on mission trip, they must always fill in the blank. Right? They must always fill in the blank. They must never... I mean, I'm sure there are some things that we should never do. Uh, but in terms of God's strategy, the way God works, the way He leads us in and out of trouble, He has a unique way to respond 
each time. So we should not box God up in that sense. But after things get violent, they do go down to Lystra. And that's where we'll spend the rest of our time at, right? We're going to be at Lystra now, the reading of the word proper. And I'm going to pray before we go into this. Father, we thank you. Let's all pray. In fact, let's all pray in tongues. For those of us who can pray in tongues, let's pray in tongues. If you're unfamiliar with this, I just want to invite you to just pray in understanding along, right? Shaka karabarahanta, sharabarahanta, shoroko karabarahanta, sharaka karabarahanta, okay. Father, we submit to you, Lord God. We submit the the reading, the understanding, and the and the the growing, the transformation that takes place of under the word of God. We submit the whole process to you, O Lord God, so that Lord, your own hand can come, take the word and mold our hearts, shape our thinking, point our eyes in the direction of everlasting life, O Lord God, so that we can be overflowing with the goodness and mercy of God. So Lord Jesus, as we pay attention to your word, indeed let our hearts want for nothing but you and just you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Acts chapter 14, verse 8. In Lystra there sat a man who was lame. He had been that way from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as... He was speaking as Paul was speaking. Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. I just want to bring your mind to one or two things. The last time we saw an apostle look at a lame man and look directly, look intently, stared hard at him, it was who? Peter where? Peter at the beautiful gate. Right, um, with another lame man at the gates of Jerusalem. There is, a, there is a clear parallel between this one. Paul in a Gentile city, staring hard at, at, at a lame man, and Peter back home in Jerusalem, uh, and also staring hard at another uh, a lame man. And it's as if, it's almost like a confrontation, like a, like a challenge, but it's, you will see a loving confrontation and a loving challenge. He stares at him, and why? Because when he looks at him, he sees past the condition of this man. He sees past it, and he sees that he actually has faith to be healed. And it's almost as if, and I'm going to read the next line now, okay? And called out to him, Stand up on your feet, right? At that, the man jumped up and began to walk. Now, just want you to see this. When Paul looks at this guy intently, and then he sees that he has faith to be healed, then he says, stand up on your feet. It's as if to say, I see through all of your physical ailment that you do have faith. You do believe in the words that are being preached right now, you do believe in its power, the power of God. But you haven't stood up yet. And it's as if Paul is saying to this guy, if you, don't you have faith? I see that you have faith. Since you have faith, why don't you exercise that faith? Why don't you manifest that faith and therefore when he looked at him directly that he and saw that he had faith he called out stand up since you have faith 
Do it. Now, if you don't have faith and you stand up, nothing will happen because it's lame. Huh? Okay? But he's saying, since you do have faith, do it. Don't be afraid because you do have the faith for it. And he stands up and he gets up, starts jumping, starts walking. And the response to this man's healing is going to be form the entire body of today's sermon. So we are going to move on from this man, okay? I didn't want us to move past him too quickly because I want us to honour the power of God every time you see God do something so supernatural we should put pause and appreciate and just be in awe all over again right let us not become so what's the word so desensitised so desensitized to the power the supernatural power of God that a man born without ability to use his legs has now Develop the faith to believe in God and in that faith, God can work full healing and He did stand up, okay? Let us put pause and give thanks to God for that. Father, I just want to give you thanks for every single prayer going out to you, reaching out to you in this season of 40 days as we are calling out for some of us for healing, some of us for breakthrough, some of us for, uh, uh, um, for you to lead, for leadership. Some of us are praying for direction because we are lost. Some of us are looking for a place to, be, to call home. And some of us, Lord God, we are just going through a really, really relentless season and we are looking for safe harbour. Lord, in whatever scenario we find ourselves in, Lord, I pray that today as your word is being preached and, and, and in the rest of the 40 days, as your word continues to be read in homes, listened to in cars and heard in church, Father, we pray that you'll keep creating faith. Create faith in us, Lord God, for your your word says that you are the author and the perfecter of faith, Lord God. So, Father, we pray that you create faith in us. We pray, Father God, that the faith that has been created, you perfect it, Lord God. Cleanse it, Lord God. Beautify it, Lord God. And strengthen the faith that we have so that we can say and stand before you, uh, um, Lord, I believe Help my unbelief, Lord God. So, Father, our unbelief, we bring it before you, we submit it to you, but whatever we do believe, help us to keep on growing stronger. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, the response to the healing. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they shouted in the Lycaonian language, the gods have come down to us in human form. These are Greeks, okay? Barnabas, they called Zeus. And Paul, they called Hermes. Because he, being Paul, was the chief speaker. Hermes is the Greek god of trade and messaging, right? He's a messenger, right? So he's depicted, let me show you, Zeus here. Hermes here, and Hermes is sometimes depicted with um, wings on his on, on his uh, uh, legs. Um, my girls have these socks that have these little wings as well. I never knew uh, uh, there is a is a there's a there's a cross reference to Hermes right there. But he's a a, a Greek god of of commerce and trade, you know. Um, he's also the Greek god of the Birkin thirty bag, right? No, I'm kidding, right? 
Uh, and that's Zeus, right? But because he's a Greek god of messenger, he's a messenger, the chief messenger, um, Paul, who was the primary speaker between himself and Barnabas, uh, came, they thought that this is Zeus and Hermes, you know, in human form. They are here, right? And so Barnabas is Zeus and Paul is Hermes. And so, and so, sorry, let, let me get back to this, right? The priest of Zeus, whose temple was just outside the city, uh, uh, the city walls. Now, I find that a little strange that their temple would be outside the city. Nonetheless, it was. Brought bulls and wreaths into the city, to the city gate, because he and the crowd wanted to offer sacrifices to Zeus and Hermes, right? Actually, it's just Paul and Barnabas, lah, you know? So, so imagine the scene, right? Paul and Barnabas preaching, right? Paul preaching the Word of God, stares down at this lame man, probably near the, their own city gates, right? Says, if you have faith to be healed, stand up. He stands up. Everybody goes, wow! Zeus! Hermes in human form. They go, they bring the bull, they bring the wreath, right? They bring the entire sacrifice, uh, 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 um, all the the, the, the the entire kit, right? <laughs> the entire kit for, for, for a Greek sacrifice, right? And they bring it out, probably garlands, probably other celebratory things that are not recorded, you know? And then they, they want to start worshipping Paul and Barnabas. But when the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard this, they tore their clothes. They don't like rip everything up, okay? It's just kind of like a rip, like, right? Um, and they do that uh, as, a, as a gesture of, of grieving, really. It's a, it's a gesture of like, how could you, right? Okay? <laughs> Our culture is not so expressive, you know? They tore their clothes and rushed out to the crowd shouting, Friends! Why you do like that, right? Why are you doing this? We too are only human, like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. We are pointing you to the living God. We're not the living God. We're just ordinary people. In the past, this God, there is a living God. This God who created the heavens and the earth and the sea, He let all the nations go their own way, yet He has not left Himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food, fills your hearts with joy. Now what are they doing here? Very different evangelistic sermon from the ones that were preached in the past to the, to the Jews, right? Where every time they preach to the Jews, they go like, this Jesus was raised to life and y'all killed him, right? And now if you can find repentance and you can find salvation in him, right? This is totally different. What's he appealing to? He's appealing to God of creation because they, they don't know this Yahweh, they don't have a, a, an on, they don't have an account with him. Right, so that you can look at the transaction history with him. Right, they it is new. 
But what do they know? They know of creation, the world around them. They know of the sun, the skies. In fact, they know they have quite a lot of ideas about it. And those ideas may not always align with Yahweh's ideas about them, but they have some idea about the natural world, you know, the underworld, the supernatural world. They have ideas about the crops that they plant, the rain that falls, the food that they get to eat, you know. They know these things. These are things that everyone knows about, not just Jews in those days, not just Christians in our days. And so they appeal to all of these things. God has left all of us a testimony. The fact that it rains so that we can plant and there's crop. And when there's crop, there's food. It's testimony that there is a living God, right? Fascinating. You're going to see more of this kind of preaching later in the book of Acts when, when Paul gets to Athens and he preaches quite a seminal uh, 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 sermon there appealing to, again, very different things from the way he would with Jews. Okay, but we're going to pause there. He preaches, verse 18, even with these words. They had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. So the desire, the, the, the drive, the throng of enthusiasm to make gods out of Paul and Barnabas was really high. They were really enthusiastic. They were like, no man, this is Paul, this is Zeus and Barnabas. We will sacrifice. Ah, don't stop me, you know. Um, it was hard to keep them from sacrificing to them. I found a painting. I, I often like to find paintings because it just helps us to put a bit of visual. We don't know what it actually looks like, but in this painting by Nicolas Peters, you know, um, you have Paul and Barnabas up here, probably Barnabas, probably Paul since he's in a talking kind of posture, you know, and you've got the bull, you know, the fire, um, someone blowing a horn, and people just coming, there's a goat here, so clearly the sacrifices, the objects of sacrifice are all brought in, and that's probably Paul telling them, don't like that, right? Don't like that. Now, in the wake of that, some Jews came from Antioch and Iconium. Ah, yes, where is these things? Okay, Antioch is here, Iconium is here, Lystra is here. So the remember they people oppose them here, people oppose them here. These guys are on their own tour, right? And they make their way all the way to Lystra. Okay. Some people from Antioch and Iconium came and won the crowd over. In other words, they came and they continued poisoning the minds of the believers, winning the crowd over to this anti-Paul anti Barnabas movement. So, the crowd, having been won over, stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city and then thinking he was dead, right? But after the disciples had gathered around him, so there were still a faithful remnant who gathered around Paul and Barnabas, gathered around Paul, Paul got up, went back, into the city. So it's kind of a strange story, okay? Um, then the next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby, right? And so it's kind of strange. And I want to paint the whole picture for you because when the crowd gets angry, they start stoning, right? Now, not every single attempt at stoning ends up with someone getting killed, right? You could have four or five different people pick up rocks and start throwing and I think the records will show that that was a, a case of stoning already, okay? Of course, for Stephen's, um, it went all the way, you know, and he died, you know? Um, 
And I know that in some cases, they may even drag uh, uh, the, the prisoner, the person who's going to be stoned, and they throw them into a pit. And that's when they can't run out. Then they really bludgeon big rocks on them, right? Um, and, but not this case. They definitely throw stones, right? Paul is assumed to be dead, you know? And then the crowd disperses, the disciples gather, konon sudamati, you know? And then he doesn't die, he comes back, he, he gets up again, and he's alive. And they don't go straight to Derby. I suppose back in the day, you will need a safe place to sleep, you know? And, and maybe outside the city walls is even more unsafe than that. But they do go back into the city until the next day. But this is the story. That's what happens in Lystra. And from this, I want to share with you uh, quite a particular angle. The angle is about the celebrityfication of Paul and Barnabas. And from this, I want to show you three things. Idolize, demonize, ordinary humans. And this is something we are all prone to doing. We idolize and demonize ordinary humans. And I want to take you through this word by word, beginning with how we, we idolize ordinary humans. And sometimes when we idolize them and they fail to meet our expectations of that said idolatry, that said hero worship, then we tear them down and we demonize them. And at the end of the day, do they, do they deserve it? Do, have they set themselves up for it? I'm not sure, you know, it's very, it's complex, you know. Okay, so I want to take you all through that complex mud so that we can see how we idolize and demonize people who in the end, they are really just ordinary humans, should not be idolized in the first place and therefore should not be demonized so badly at all when they fail to meet expectations. We will think about how sometimes people in positions, public figures, I'm just going to use a very generic term, public figures can sometimes set themselves up to be idolized. But the sharp second edge of that sort is that when you fail, you get torn down. And I want us to all see that actually we, as normal, ordinary humans, we do not have shoulders strong enough to carry the weight of the scrutiny of celebrity, of the, of the, the attention, of the eyeballs of the whole world. Honestly, we don't have shoulders strong enough to carry that. Only one has the shoulders strong enough to carry the burden of the whole world's eyes and scrutiny on them. His shoulders, on his shoulders, the government of the whole world, all the cosmic governance will be upon his shoulders. Only Jesus, right? So I'm giving you the end at the beginning. But let's go into the first point. We idolize ordinary humans, right? I've shown you the text, but I'm just going to help you to see all the words highlighted. God in human form, Zeus, Hermes, brought bulls, they brought the wreaths, and they wanted to offer sacrifices. Now, today, we still see some form of sacrifice happening in a lot of 
temples out there, maybe not so much live bulls and, uh, and, and so on, but people bring flowers. Uh, there is a Thai temple near, uh, uh, um, somewhere in Gas, in, off Jalan Gasing. You know, I drive past it and every so often there's, there'll be like a, a, a festival and there'll be lots of people selling flowers, right? And so they will, people will buy flowers and the devotees will buy flowers. They will go in, they will offer flowers, right? Sometimes people make food, right? I grew up in, um, uh, uh, with, uh, with an Indian community and we used to, to worship in a Sai Baba center, you know, and then people will bring the food, right? And the food is called prasadam, right? And so, and after that, then everybody will eat together, right? It's not too different. Um, it's one degree away from King's Table, right? Um, and we invest slightly different meaning to uh, the fact that the food is there, right? We do. Um, but it's not unusual for people to bring things to worship at their place of work, uh, uh, to bring things to sacrifice or to bring things to offer at their place of worship. And so, um, but we bring a lot of other things to other kinds of arenas, and places of so-called worship. In fact, we generate a whole different kind of excitement. A whole different kind of excitement for hero worship and, and, and fandom. Right? Um, and it's not just in places of religious houses of worship where you see this kind of excitement to all gather and go like, yeah! Right, I mean, some of you have lived long enough to have lived through Beatlemania. Right, uh, this was how many of you? How many of you you like the Beatles? Whether you grew up with it or you didn't, you like the Beatles. You are a Beatles person. Raise your hands. I'm a huge Beatles person. Right, all right, good, good for you. Yeah, I see you're here, there, and everywhere. Good, good on you guys. Yeah, okay. Um, uh, and I mean, this was not the first occasion. I think Elvis predates Beatles by a good 10 years. And in Elvis's early years, when he shook his hips, people just go absolutely crazy, you know, like they, like they just, the girls would just cry, you know, and, and it's, it's almost like a, like, like, like a supernatural experience, right? It's like, a, it's like an encounter weekend, right? It's like, ah, right? Um, and you can see from their faces that something, something luar biasa is taking place, right? The, the fact that they are in the presence of, uh, of John Paul, uh, well, well, not the John and Paul of the book of Acts, right? John, Paul, George and Ringo, and there's no Ringo in the book of Acts anyway, um, is, is, is there to show you that just being in the presence of superstars just makes you go a little bit a bit crazed, right? A little bit crazed. Um, so we see this happening in the history of rock music, in the history of pop music. And we see it in other arenas as well. We see it in sports, right? Uh, people follow uh, their sporting teams uh, with a kind of fanaticism and a kind of, of, of ownership, right? What was the word you gave? Devotion, ownership, uh, 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 allegiance, right? It's, it's, it's frightening if you take a step out of it or if you're not a sporting fan, you step out, you're like, you are just weird and crazy. Of course, I'm a football fan. I, I, I support 
I support my team, so I'm trying to not be overt with the pictures I choose. But nonetheless, um, when you hear um, sports fans, you know, kind of like go like, oh, who's the goat? Who's the goat? Is it Messi? Is it Ronaldo? I'm hearing it from the eight, eight nine year olds, right? Like Elliot and his friends will be like, oh, who's the goat? Is it Messi? Is it Ronaldo? I'm like, guys, neither. It's Maradona. Come on, right? <laughs> And so, and even that is an expression of football fans having allegiance to different heroes and different teams. And you can hear all of us talking about it at nauseam. This is a picture of of football fans celebrating in the city uh, with, with the bus, open-air bus stop here with the team having won something. And so they will parade through the city. The whole city will come out. They will cheer. They will carry flags. They will, they will climb things. They will do anything they can to get a glimpse of the 25 people in the squad and their manager and everyone. And then they were like taking photos, all that, right? The fandom is real. In fact, I just want to give a shout-out. The Women's World Cup has just concluded last weekend. Um, and and recording highest number of attendance at women's football, 75,000 fans, men and women, boys and girls, packed the Sydney Olympic Stadium to watch, the, to, to watch uh, some of the Australia games, right? And of course, the final, um, Spain won the final over England, and women's football is getting traction and more and more people are watching it and more and more both boys and girls both girls and boys are being swept into fandom over new stars in fact if you see any Australian right now wearing a black glove they are little, not just little girls little boys wearing that black glove single black glove or, or two black gloves they are actually copying one of the girls in the Matilda's team right in the Australian team and so it's, it's nice to see little boys also hero worshipping in a way hero worshipping the, the women's team but of course we want to you know move from that and, and think about what is underneath our need now. Maybe you all say, hey, "I'm not a sports fan, you know. I don't do this whole sports sports thing, so I, I'm I'm free from it." But but you watch K-pop, right? You uh, you listen to K-pop, you watch K-dramas, you know. Um, and and this is I discovered this I discovered this uh, uh, this week, right? Uh, how many of you are aware of the Sasaing? Yeah, yeah. Some, uh, May is not just aware of Sasaing. She probably is one. Okay, she's not. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. She's a Jesus Sasaing. No, I'm kidding. Now, you have K-pop fans, and then you have Sasaing. Sasaing are the extreme level fans, the most obsessive fans. These are the people. These are the fans who would, who would quit their jobs to take new jobs that gives them access to certain touch points where they can actually learn new things, undercover things about their favourite stars. So they may quit their jobs to get a job in the immigration department, passport department, um, in the hotel line, in, the, in whatever it is. They will find some kind of work that can somehow get them into insider information um, where they can find out if, you know, someone is travelling or someone's, you know, they, of course they do all kinds of other things. This is, um, they have assigned taxis, right? You can hire them for four, three, four, five hundred US dollars a day. And these taxis will sit outside the hotels, outside the stadium, just to wait 
whole day until um, they come out, they will chase. They will do high-speed uh, uh, um, chasing on the road for you, right? Because you're, pay, you're paying them, dude, you're paying them 300 US dollars per day, right? They will chase these pop stars for you. Right and of course there have all this. You go and Google it up lah. There's all this car crash lah, bang into the uh, 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 um, idol's car lah. All those kind of things are okay. This is this is Jejung uh, being snuck upon while he was sleeping, and the girl took a photo, posted it on a forum, and told everybody she kissed him before she sent it. You know, um, this is I don't know how to pronounce. Is it is it XO? Is it EXO? Is EXO? Yeah. Um, their hotel was bugged with cameras, you know, so that even as they go in and out from the pool, in and out from the sauna, you know, they can they are, they are, they are seeing all these things. They bug, they they GPS their cars, you know, they break into their homes. Uh, um, now, now, frankly, this is not very different from the from the Elvis and Beatlemania fans, right? It's not really that different. Those girls used to chase them down the streets as well. But they, they are using technology today to just push it a level further, right? This is, this is just a Sasai taking um, Taeyeon away with him on stage, right? Um, so, so now, here's the thing, right? We are accustomed to crazy fans. We know because there's something deep inside us that longs to actually pedestalize our heroes as well, right? Um, and this clearly does not just, it's not just restricted to um, the overtly entertainment. What is overtly the entertainment world? This kind of pedestalizing, this kind of celebritification of ordinary people exists even in the church, right? I did not mean to show you too many pictures or, or, or name, name drop too many names um, of what people call celebrity pastors. But this little visual here, by the way, if you, if you find it hard to pinch and zoom, you know, in front of your, of your chair, there is a QR code. You can scan it. You can get this whole deck on your mobile device. Then you can pinch and then you can say that, oh, who goes to Judas Smith's church? Abby Champion and Patrick Schwarzenegger and Russell Wilson and, and so on. You can, you can do that in your own time, okay? Grab this off Twitter. Um, celebrity pastors and their friends who are very well connected and suddenly everybody belongs to that. But you know what? You don't need to go to the A-list. You don't need to go to the A-list, you know, to see that this happens in Christian circles. Because in 2016, as a pastor in SIBKL, I was given a free ticket to go for Bethel's concert uh, when Bethel was here. It was March 2016, right? Um, if you, some of you may remember, Heidi Baker was in town um, um, and it was a very strange gathering. I never attended something like that before. And then there was Bethel that night and that was strange for very different reasons. It was strange because, now it's not like I'm, I, well, it shocked me in it probably nothing shocks me anymore, right? But I was in that hall, you know, and I don't know them because I don't follow the worship music scene as a form of recreational music, right? I just, I, I sing worship songs only in church. That's my access. So without all the other access points, this hall is filled with, I won't just say young people, lots of people, right? And I think maybe when Amanda Cook came out or Stephanie Gretzinger came out, you know? Now, some of you know these names and you're smiling at me already. Some of you are like, who they are? They're just singers, worship leaders in Bethel music, okay? Now, when Amanda Cook came out, like 
thousands of girls she was just screaming like And my first thought is, dude, she's a worship leader. Don't do that to her. You know what it does to her? When you're like, ah, to you know, Amanda Cook, you know what that does to her? It's not good. The effect of that on her is not good for her. And the effect of this on you is also not good for you, you know? And so, so and this is supposed to be like a worship concert night service and God should be glorified. And then like all this is happening and I started asking myself, why? And the answer came very quickly because I remember that it was our generation. It was in my generation where parents used to tell uh, the children, don't listen to all this bad rock music. Don't listen to all your backstreet boys. Don't listen to, to, but we listen anyway, right? Don't listen to all this, uh, all this secular music. Listen to Christian music, right? So that's what we did, right? We listened to Christian music and we brought our teenage fandom to Christian music. We brought our desire uh, uh, to pedestalize people. The, 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 our heartthrobs, you know, went from, you know, I know Justin Timberlake to Jeremy Little, you know, and then we just transferred all these heartthrobbing uh, away from the pop world into Christian music industry and along the way the Christian music industry continues to grow whether because of it or in spite of it I'm not sure but it continues to grow and then continue we continue to pack halls of with, with teenage boys and girls who will continue to go like this when a worship leader comes on stage we do this and it's not just worship bands right we do I, I remember going for I mean it was a long time ago right um I remember seeing Ravi Zacharias at one of, when he came to Malaysia and I was in one of the churches that hosted him and I brought a book uh, uh, um, uh, and, then, and that particular book um, uh, it's got different chapters and the chapter he wrote on has his signature on it, right? And I wanted him to autograph that same page so that, so that, the, so that the copy and the original can be on the same page, right? Um, and I wanted to tell him that look, the copy and the original on the same page, right? And and uh, he, he, he signed it And I was, I was really happy, right? And, and if I could, I would have taken a photo with him And if I could, I would have printed that photo And it would be on my fridge The way a lot of you have photos of yourselves With, um, with well-known people, celebrities, a pop star, a football star uh, A prime minister or someone on your fridge Or somewhere, you know, in your home We do these things, right? I would have, right? Except it was too big a crowd, right? They were trying to sacrifice bulls and goats to him, right? Um, uh, so it's like that. We are all susceptible to putting our heroes, whether they are pop stars, sports stars, whether they are worship leaders or famous preachers, we are all susceptible to putting them on a pedestal. Where does this come from? Why are we like that? I'm going, to, I'm going to invite you to this pregnant pause. I'm asking you, why are we like that? Right? And if you see on the surface, there is celebrity fandom. What's underneath? Lift it. Lift that hood. Look underneath the hood. What's inside? What is it about us that craves fandom? That craves hero-worshipping someone? I mean, if you think about all the examples I gave, Underneath celebrity fandom is a desire to meet 
and encounter something or someone great, right? I got a photo with, you know, so-and-so with Lim Guan Eng or whoever it is. And they're like, oh, post on Instagram, you know. Um, okay, lah, lower tier, lah, you know. Suddenly, you get a photo with somebody else, right? Reagan, you know. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> we, we, it means something to have an encounter, to meet and encounter someone big, someone famous, someone known. We are all looking for a connection, an association, an affiliation. That's why when you gather, it's like, who do you support? Oh, yeah, like, guys holding a beer in one hand, like, oh, who do you support? Oh, Liverpool, Liverpool, Liverpool. Yeah. So we got animals, right? Like, right? We are looking for affiliation, connection, because when me, you, 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 are all Liverpool people, we know we are all one kind. And then all the day, 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 all the Chelsea fellas are one kind, right? It's like that, right? All your Man U people, you are one kind, right? Um, we do this with each other. Oh, you support Brazil one, huh? Oh, Brazil supporters, all a certain kind one, right? Argentina people, a different kind one, right? Um, we are like that. We, we approximate. And these affiliation things gives us identity. It gives us a sense. Like, I'm, I, I don't do BTS. I do this other band, right? Like, I'm a Blackpink girl, right? right? And then it's like, whoa. Okay, then you know already, lah, right? Who is your, who's your gang, lah, right? And it's a form of identity. It's, it's like digital identity making in some way, okay? We are looking for this. Connection, affiliation. And then once you're in that space, you, we are all longing for community. We're longing for belonging. That's what's happening underneath. That's why it's so powerful. We long for that community so that we can all uh, uh, um, uh, have a family of fans. That's why um, uh, BTS fans are not just BTS fans. They are the, they are the army, right? And, and um, uh, Blackpink's fans are? Right? They're the blinks, right? Okay? And so on and so forth. They have names for their own fan groups, right? Liverpool fans are called Copites, right? K-O-P-I-T-E-S, right? And so on. Manu fans? What, what, what are Manu fans called? Are you called devils? Are you seriously? <laughs> no, I don't understand MU subculture, so I shan't comment, okay? Um, we are looking for significance and meaning. When your team wins, and the whole ethos of your team, you are this kind of people, when your team wins, it's meaningful, right? If you're a Jose Mourinho person and you win, it's like, yeah, stick it up to all you big things with a lot of attacking play, we'll do it our way, we'll win, you know, that's like, it carries meaning. When your, when your favourite uh, pop star wins an award, it's a form of vindication, it's a form of legitimising of who, not just they are, but who you as a fan are as well, right? That's significant. And, meaning. and when we all gather in a big stadium, like a cathedral, right? And we use all this religious language um, on all these gatherings as well. There is a form of shared love, collective adoration. Whether you are singing to a K-pop song, whether you are chanting your favourite player's name, or whether you are just bouncing up and down because the, your, your pop star came on or a worship leader uh, uh, showed up on stage, you know? Um, there is a sense of communal, shared, collective adoration, collective love, collective expression of joy, hope, love, uh, goodness, all that is great in this world, summed up in my pedestalized hero. What is all this? All this is worship. 
all this that I've just described is worship. We are created by God for worship. We long to worship. And sometimes when we don't find the right object of worship to put all our worship, to give all our worship to, then we give it to anyone else. And that's why in Christianity, we have this language, especially shows up in worship songs, that you are worthy. You are worthy. Why? Uh, when I was a new Christian, I used to ask, why, what's this idea? Why, why worthy, unworthy? Why that, why, why that language? The worthiness language. And it's because God is saying that no one else is worthy of this kind of fandom. No one else is worthy of this kind of like... Right? No one, that, you don't do that for just nobody. You don't do that for worship leaders. They are unworthy. You don't do this you know, for, for Messi or Ronaldo or Maradona. You don't do that. Right? No one else is worthy. This, that is worthy only for God. That's what God says. That's why we have this language of worthiness or unworthiness. Right? All this is there to tell us that we were created with a... I, I, I like the word primordial. It's kind of like a deep in a inborn need almost like a almost like a like we say an animal nature but we're not animals right it's almost like a deep human nature thing we just need to worship something we need to worship something so much that when the, Isra the Israelites needed to worship something so much that when Moses disappeared for a little bit too long they just fashioned a calf and worshipped it because they cannot tahan you just have to you just have to worship something and so we I'm not endorsing it, of course, right? See, the thing is, at the heart of all celebrity fandom is a misplaced expectation. It's a misplaced expectation that the celebrity will fulfill our deepest needs for worship. We do have a deep need for worship. As I said, it's a primordial need to worship. But at the heart of all celebrity fandom is that we place all our expectations for the fulfillment of worship, the payoff of worship. We place it on our celebrity heroes. Now, Jesus himself is no exception, right? Of course, with Jesus, it's a little bit strange. And what happens with Jesus is that they have false expectations. They have wrong expectations about Jesus, right? Jesus himself experienced misplaced expectations of his celebrity messiahship. Where he went, he started to heal, he started to cast out demons. People would have the same level of excitement. They would crowd around him, turn him into a hero. And that's why if you read the Gospel of Luke, Luke himself will on multiple occasions record Jesus saying, don't tell anybody I healed you. Right? Go under the radar. I don't want to go above the radar. I don't want this to become like a traveling circus, right? Um, so that he can keep on ministering. But then the fellow will go and like, hey, guess who healed me? That guy! And then suddenly, like, and then, you know, suddenly the Beatlemania, you know, will start following him everywhere. Like, you know, the Sasa Ng will start following him everywhere. Like. And, so, and so, my friends, we are prone to this kind of worship, to idolize ordinary humans. We are. Right? And of course, we do it because we expect that idol worship to pay off. That our need for worship gets satisfied in that relationship. When it doesn't, then we demonize them. 
when it doesn't pay off, at some point, if it doesn't pay off, us and the entire machinery that builds them up will tear them down. And so we see in Acts chapter 14, then some Jews from Antioch and Iconium came, they won the crowd over, they stoned Paul, right? So from love, adoration, suddenly turn around like, oh, so you're not Hermes, you're not uh, uh, Zeus, then... You came here pretending to be these charlatans. You're all charlatans. Let's stone them. And suddenly, from extreme levels of love, it goes to extreme levels of violence and rejection. And we see this in, in the pop world as well. I, I discovered this idea called a black ocean. When K-pop fans reject uh, uh, um, an artist, I think this was when... Jessica Jung left SNSD, right? Um, and, and they were around that time when they start to cancel her already, right? And so what happens, like, if you go for one of these concerts, everyone have a light stick on. And, and their own bands will have their own light stick on, right? And normally the whole thing will be lit, totally full of colours, right? When they collectively reject you and they cancel you, they give you a black ocean. The black ocean is when everybody one shot, bam, they turn off their light stick, and you have to perform 10 minutes to a sea of blackness and no response. It's like, it is like the death knell for, uh, for a K-pop star. Of course, it's not. Like, most of the time, they, can, they somehow recover from it. Like, you know? but, but it can be really, really hurting for, for, their, for their reputation, right? And so, this is an example of how fans can take an idol down. Fans will collectively take an idol down the moment they don't like you, right? Um, of course, the entire machinery can take an idol down as well. This is this is Kim Seon Ho. And by the way, I don't natively know these things. Okay, I have my I have my uh, uh, clever K-pop researchers in the crowd. I shan't out you, but thank you so much, right? All whoever you are, right? Um, this is Kim Seon Ho, um, who who, oh yeah. Oh, it's long story lah. But basically, story came out that he and his girlfriend, that he was supposedly didn't treat his girlfriend so well, you know. And so, fans immediately cancelled him. Like, didn't hear his side of the story, didn't hear anything. The moment the news broke that he was not very good with his girlfriend, ex-girlfriend now, you know, um, everyone cancelled him. Immediately, endorse, endorsement pulled back. Like, lose income, huh? endorsements cancelled immediately. People who are using advertisements before start to archive their Instagram posts, right? So they pull everything. He cannot show up already. Like, overnight, this guy had everything stripped out, scrubbed out, you know? Um, and then it was only like one of the media uh, uh, um, uh, channels that, that kind of like did an investigative thing and then showed the whole world what his true heroic character is. And everybody fell in love with him slowly, slowly again. And he ended up on. Hometown cha cha cha, you know, and, and his career is has been rescued. But his career would not have been rescued if not for somebody telling the story, you know, the power of the media and fans to tear someone down. It's not just in K in K-pop huh? or in K dramas, right? The British media is notorious, notorious for tearing down its celebrities. It builds them up. It builds them up, and if any of you have ever read the Daily Mail uh, on your on, on your mobile devices, we are all complicit. We give Daily Mail hits. We are all complicit, right? We love our celebrities, and the media channels that build them up are the same people who will tear them down the moment they decide. That. In fact, it's part of the game, 
right? I built you up so that I can inflate you like a balloon until one day everyone will derive pleasure by the, by the tearing down. Now, they don't do this intentionally. There's no script. But there is a pattern. There is a pattern of this, right? And so, and the pattern is also that Jesus himself was not, was not um, spared of being inflated like a balloon and then cut off by the very people who hyped him up, right? We know that the same crowd that will flock around Jesus and say that, oh, Messiah, the same people who, who, who are cheering when he came into Jerusalem with palm leaves being waved on either side, saying, Hosanna to the King of David, Lai Liao, Lai Liao, Messiah, Lai Liao, that's it, right? He's going to save us from the, from, from, from the evil Romans and it's, that's it. And then he goes into Jerusalem, he trashes the temple, flips tables, right? And then everyone goes like, oh my gosh, right? And then the opinion, the public opinion starts to suddenly grow cold, grow cold, grow cold. Don't touch already, don't touch already. This guy is not the real thing. This guy cannot touch, right? And then everyone pulls back. And then within like 24 hours, 48 hours, the opinion had completely turned. And the same crowds that were saying Lai Liao are now saying, Si Liao, Si Liao. <laughs> Crucify him, right? We do this. We tear down the people we idolize. And I can tell you this, Christian celebrities are not exempted. That's why it's a good idea to not start it in the first place. I remember, I remember being in a, in, a, in a Zoom session. I, myself and Athalia, we were doing a Zoom session, invited to speak to Narrow Street and Society, uh, our, our campus youth in Main Church, uh, during the pandemic. And it was there, the first time I was, I was asking them about social media, right? And... And social media is just one of these things that today anyone can make a celebrity out of themselves if they work hard enough at it. And we have a name for it, right? It's called influencers, right? Like, like I'm an influencer. Now, then you can drive that. Siapa mau jadi influencer? And then media class, digital media, career, macam ni, right? All that, right? Now, it's very real. For, some for many people, it is their bread and butter. They need the followers, okay? Because it's bread and butter. It's income, right? It's eyeballs, it's income. And frankly, it's no different from old school advertising where your TV tiga or your, or your star newspaper has an ad. It's essentially the same thing, okay? But of course, it, social media has a way of creating a profile and a celebrification of yourself or whoever you put on the platform. And I just want to be careful with... Uh, or rather, I just want to say this so that we have our hearts shaped correctly. I don't know how many of you are aspiring influencers. Okay? But nonetheless, I am obliged to disciple your thinking about this. Right? You can do the Instagram game or the TikTok game and grow followers. You will find the more you do it, that the more your life is dependent on the preservation or the success or the ongoing sustenance of that need, right? And I do know that some influencers, they really do. They check out for one month. They just totally go off the grid, you know? And I think that's healthy. And all influencers will need to find that space. But I can tell you this. You want the whole world's eyeballs on you. If you want every single thing you say to be able to be super influential, tons of people moving. We, I know in church, sometimes we make an idol out of influence. 
Okay, we do. We sometimes make an idol out of influence. God has not called us primarily to be influencers. He called us to be to make disciples. Okay, I think that's got to be clear. And then if you are genuinely making disciples, you become influential based on the people that you grow. Okay, I think that it's a secondary kind of benefit. But I want to say this. If you want the whole world's eyes on you or if people want the whole world's eyes on them, you have to be able to sustain the scrutiny the critique, the criticism of millions of... How many, how, how many K you want? You want 50K followers? You need to have the critique of 50K eyes on you. And you need to have a character strong enough. You need to have shoulders, as I said earlier, strong enough to carry the burden of that. And if you don't, you'll crack. And honestly, nobody is strong enough. That's why Hollywood celebrities get checked into for rehab all the time. It's part of the Hollywood narrative, right? You become super famous and then you crash and then you end up abusing some substance, you end up in rehab and then new people come in, you know, into the celebrity world to supplant you. And that happens in every, in, in all around the world. We were not made to be puffed up, neither were we made to be torn down. And I will say this, sometimes we, and I use I say we to include myself, we who have platforms, we, we drink it up. Y'all can give a lot of love and I'm very, very appreciative of it, but we can drink it up and then like enjoy it a little bit too much. And then suddenly we start walking with our feet a little bit off the ground and next thing you know, we think we are more than we are. You can too. You just need to have one post go viral and, and, and you come back and tell me that, oh, I feel like my feet are off the ground sometimes too. Right? But we're ordinary humans. And the call that God has given to us is not to idolize ourselves or each other. Neither is it to demonize ourselves or each other. Paul says, we too are only human like you. And so church... I wanted to go into this partly because the text presented it, right? And, and, and when the text presents something, we should, we should deal with it. But I wanted us to go into this because we live in a culture today that is that one of the major currencies of this world that you can transact with, so to speak, is fame. Well-knownness. Well-knownness. Followedness. Likedness. Right? And I want us to know this because we are both sometimes the creators of it, but more often than not, we are the perpetrators of it. And even though there's probably only like one or two out of you here who have like really raging Instagram accounts or TikTok accounts, maybe 99% of us, you know, are susceptible to creating fans out of, uh, out of the public figures around us. And I want us to be very, very mindful. I want us to be very mindful. It's not good for them, it's not good for us. And on a Christian platform, it can be extremely toxic. It can be extremely dangerous. Some of you may have heard of names like all the fallen pastors, lah. you all know lah, American pastors. A lot of them have James McDonnell, Bill Hybels, Ravi, Carl Lance, Rise and Fall of Mars Hill, what's his name? Yeah. Mark Driscoll, you know. Um, when 
yeah, Matt Chandler himself had, had, had an incident, you know. Um, when we make celebrities out of the faith space, and it can be an NGO superstar, it can be a whatever, right? We are doing the very thing that Paul, God through Paul, was telling us, don't do this. No Hermes here. No, 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 no Zeus here, right? Just ordinary humans seeking after God. And let us make sure that becomes our posture. So I want to invite the worship team to come up. We can move this stand and don't need it anymore. And I want us to really allow the Lord to, to, allow the Lord to bring us to a place where we can revisit who we pedestalize, who we put on a platform, who we put on a pedestal, and who we say, wow, wow, you, you, right? Now I want to bring a bit of balance. want to bring a bit of balance before we close. I know you have mentors. Some of you have um, role models that you follow. Your cell leaders can be your role models. Um, myself, Pastor Ramesh, the leaders, whoever, can be somehow sometimes end up being role models in church work and, and ministry. You know, you definitely have role models outside. Okay, It's a fine line. I can be honest with you, where grey where grey is and black and white on one end or the other, there is no clear demarcation. There is no clear demarcation. But I want you to know this so that you can check your heart and say that when it comes to the more extreme expressions of worship, I will reserve my worship for the Lord. I always will reserve my worship for the Lord. I will admire, I can respect, I can honour but please be very careful. Reserve your worship for the Lord. All eyes closed. All eyes closed. I know that in this church, I've said it many times, there is no pedestalizing of pastors and leaders in this place. I aggressively make sure that we talk about that frequently. So this is not the first time we're talking about it. This is probably not the first time you're hearing it. But the day may come where you are no longer in this church. You may go to other churches. You may start church hopping, searching in a new city or even right here in KL. And I want you to know that there will be a place where everybody are just ordinary people chasing after an extraordinary God. And if you see that, it's a very precious thing. Please, if you ever see that in the future, if you are looking for a church, make that one of your criteria, one of your top criteria for picking a place to remain in to worship. While we're all here, let us make sure that we all cultivate that posture in our own hearts as well. The best way to do it is to say, for me, only Jesus. I want to invite us all to rise and worship and as you do that, I want to pray. Father, I just pray, Father God, that you'll be our constant, you'll be our centre, you'll, uh, uh, um, you'll be our compass, Lord God, and let our hearts long only for you. Give our adoration only for you. Our consecration only to you. And help us to guard our hearts. Teach us to know this is not just a next-gen thing. This is for all of us. All of us are susceptible, susceptible to it. 
For some of us, it may not even be celebrity uh, uh, stars. It may be business leaders. It might be global uh, personalities. But Lord, let my heart want for nothing but you. Let us worship. Father God, Father, we know it's easy to come to church on Sunday and just say, only Jesus. For me, only Jesus. My heart, only Jesus. Let my heart long for no one else but Jesus. Father, it's easy for us to come, on, come in on Sunday. We code switch when we walk in. We switch into our Christian mode. And then we say, Lord, I give you everything. I open my heart to you. You are all I want. You are all I ever need. But Lord, it is not this moment that we are praying into. It is all the other moments outside of church that we are praying into. That Lord, you can turn us day by day into people who will, who will, who will right-size, who will right-size all the other would-be idols, would-be gods, would-be uh, 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 um, um, heroes out there in this world so that we can say Lord Jesus I take you as my reference point I take you as my source of community you as my source of collective adoration you be my you be the target of my love of my identity of my of my of, of my seeking of my searching of my loving of my success and of my togetherness all the things that we associate with fandom we pray that Lord you will teach us to place those things on you so Lord Jesus may you separate us now with your blessing may you fellowship with us every day Lord God so that we are walking close with you so that even the things that are heavy on your hearts in fellowship with you those things become imprinted on our hearts may the Lord bless you May the Lord keep you. May the Lord turn His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn and lift up His countenance toward you and give you His shalom. And all of God's people say, Amen. 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 Come on, let's just give God praise.